Welcome to the Civic Sound Podcast. I'm your host, Jared. This podcast is all about life, leadership, and culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome again to the Civic Sound. Great to have you with us on again for another episode, episode five, I believe. And uh, so grateful for all our listeners and people that have been following this podcast. Um, It's a project of ours that we really love and we hope that it helps generate maybe some conversation in the spaces and places that you operate within. I'm uh, delighted to say today that I've got two guests um, on today's episode, two of our uh, younger generation uh, people that belong to the civic church community. We've got Jess Wilson and Izzy Stewart. Welcome to the Civic Sound Girls. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Today we're going to have a bit of a chat about uh, the younger generation. These uh, two girls fall into the Gen Z generation and we're going to talk a little bit about that in terms of culture and life and leadership and what that looks like for them and really, really looking forward to that conversation. But before we get into it and before we start talking about some questions, I thought it would be a good opportunity uh, for those that maybe don't uh, know much about our two guests on today's episode, just to give us a bit of background about who they are, uh, where they grew up, and uh, then we can take it from there. So who wants to go first? I guess I can. Uh, my name's Jess. I am one of the youth leaders at our youth here at Civic Church. Um, I grew up pretty much like all over the eastern coast of Australia. I kind of moved around a fair bit, came to youth when I was in grade seven. I was invited by a friend. Um, yeah, and I just kind of have walked into the church and kept growing from there. And Jess, you are currently uh, working for Civic Assist at yep. the moment. Sure. And uh, still um, operating as a school chaplain as well. Yeah. Yep. And you work at a gym as well. I sure do. I work a lot. <laughs> so plenty of spare time on your hands. Uh, sure. Izzy, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, well, my name's Izzy. I just recently graduated high school. Um, I am also a youth leader here at Civic. I um, am looking for a part-time job and going into study very soon. How are you finding, uh, obviously just graduated last year, and last year, you know, 2020 was the year that we have labelled unprecedented. How are you finding, obviously, uh, life after school? Is it, has it been a good experience and a positive experience so, so, so far? Um, look, I'm loving it. I never was a school person, so actually it was funny. Mum asked me how I'm going, like, am I missing school? And I just said, no, I'm not. Like, I'm living my best life, I think. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, let's get into it. And um, in preparation for today's episode, I uh, did a little bit of research around uh, Gen Z, which I found out the Z in Gen Z stands for zombie which maybe we can talk a little bit about that in a moment, but I thought that was quite interesting. Um, but I looked, started looking at some of the characteristics of what Gen Z is. And for all our listeners, Gen Z are, is the generation that is born between uh, 1995 and 2010. And so if you were born in that space, that time period, you are considered Gen Z. They are the generation that follows my generation, which is the millennials. But a couple of characteristics about Gen Z is um, 
according to um, the sources that I looked at, they are known as digital natives, which we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, uh, they care more about actions than words, and they're also um, they love change and they're very embracing of change. And so I, I thought those three were quite interesting, and I'd love to just um, maybe pick your brain just as to what you guys think as Gen Zs, and particularly as Gen Z Christians growing up in the church. Jess, you mentioned that um, you didn't grow up in church, but you came to youth pretty much in high school. Is that correct? Yeah. So my family's not Christian. Um, I, me and my sister are the only ones who are Christian. And then I think we have like an auntie, um, like distantly related to us as well. Um, but very much so I grew up like all of home life has been very different to um, church life, which has been really interesting to sort of navigate. Um, but yeah, came in. I was, I think I was 12 when I started coming to youth and then I didn't start coming to church until year 12. Can I ask, I guess, even as a young adult, but if you were to reflect back on those um, early high school years, what was your perception before you came to youth of church, of the idea of church and maybe even the idea of God? What was your kind of views on that? Had you heard much about it? So... I think I was probably a little bit different to a lot of my friends in the sense that like when we did RE and whatnot throughout school, I was very open to that. And I very much was like, you know, God's probably a thing, but it was never something that we talked about at home. It was never something that we really spoke about at school outside of those lessons. Um, So I expected church to be a lot more boring than it is. Um, I very much, the only church I'd ever been to was for like a baptism thing um, when I was probably like eight or nine and so it was one of those like really glum services where it was like you know singing all the hymns and I was like church is going to be feral like I don't want to I don't want to be involved and so the first time I came to youth we were literally just playing games and I was like what is happening right and can I ask um Izzy perhaps you grew up in church pretty much your whole life your parents um have been involved in in church for pretty much their lives and so you really had no choice I guess as a young child growing up it was Sunday it's it's what we did um what I guess what is your experience being growing up in church would you have said that has been a positive experience or were there times where you just thought I'm, I'm only doing this because mum and dad have dragged me along kicking and screaming well I was very much um because I was been coming to church since I was born, um, so I didn't know anything different. It was church on Sundays, and then when I was old enough, it was youth on Fridays, and then I also went to a Christian school, so every Wednesday was like a chapel service, so that's all I knew, basically, and I got to a point where I was like, I'm kind of getting used to the same old, you know, waking up early on a Sunday, going to church, mum and dad would be on band or hosting or whatever it could be. Um, and I didn't realise, I guess it did kind of have a negative effect on me um, in my early um, teenage years because I started to get into the habit. It wasn't like I'm only doing this because my parents are kind of making me do it. I didn't feel like I had a choice. Um, and then when I was my sister, my older sister, Emily, um, she doesn't go to church anymore. And I kind of viewed that. I was like, well, she has the opportunity not to come anymore. So, like, where's my... Like, can I not do that? Like, do I have a choice? But I think because I felt like I had to go because I was the youngest and just had to follow in their footsteps. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I guess sometimes we do see that where um, a child that has been raised in church, um, oftentimes they will just continue to come to church as a learned behaviour because it's what they've always done. Um, But you would say that 
you know, you're, you're obviously graduated high school now, so you, you're at an age where you can start to make a lot of those independent decisions. And so now you're at a place in your life and a season of your life where you want to be in church and you've chosen to be in church and you've chosen to follow God um, rather than, I guess, living off your mum and dad's faith, if I can use that term. Would that would that be fair? That Yeah. So I think I got to a point um, probably when I was like around 17 where I was like, do I actually want to continue coming to this church in particular or do I just want to stop or like what what do I want to do? And I got to a point where actually, no, I do want to continue living this life. You know, I, I see the positives. It's helped me become a better person and I actually grow out of it. And especially with this church, like very community focused. And yeah. I think having that good community is something that I really appreciated and that's what made me keep coming. Yeah, great. Jess, would you say for you, um, I mean, you could have just visited once and then never come back again. Was it was it the community aspect that I guess initially kept you coming back and then perhaps there was more curiosity into life's bigger questions as to what am I on this earth for and, and what is life about? Um, very much youth. For youth, it was very much I loved the community and I loved just the conversations that I got out of that. Um, and then I'd come to church a few times when I was in grade eight I think it was um, and so every Sunday I'd be like hey dad like can I go to church today like is that cool and so for the first few weeks he was like yeah that's fine and then it kind of got to the point where he actually started saying no and I, I never understood why I, I haven't asked actually but um, it, it was very much like okay well I can't go to church at the moment but that's fine and I didn't have a lift because um, we then moved out of town but as soon as I got to grade 12 I was like nope church is where I want to be yep. and that was just a choice that I had made it wasn't necessarily community focused it was just I feel like I should be in church and I really want to be at church and so as soon as I got my license I started coming um and like the volunteering opportunities I really love serving um and so being able to serve in church and being able to be at church I just I love it so it's always just been the moment I could that's what I do yeah and I I think you know um being Gen Z Christians if I can I guess give that label um, not that it, it's rare, but I think it's great that we have younger people in our community that are actively pursuing God and, and wanting to, I guess, follow him, but also wanting to actively be part of a, a church community. Because I think um, there's, there's, there's many things that we can learn from both younger and older generations. But let's get into the Gen Z stuff, because I'm interested to get a perspective from you guys as Gen Z Christians with a lot of the characteristics of your generation. So let's talk about digital natives, which basically means um, Gen Z is very tech-focused. In other words, you know, we talk about screen time, phones, tablets, laptops. It seems to be that your generation, um, more than any other generation in the history of the world, is so tech-focused and so... And I, I have to admit, I mean, I'm 36 this year and often when I'm talking to Gen Z people, they're often showing me apps and mainly centered around social media. And I, I feel outdated and I feel out relevant because just how quick it does move. But you guys seem to be able to move quite um, like fluid and, and move with the times really, really quickly. And, you know, we talk about Facebook and Instagram, but now there's TikTok and Snapchat and all these different platforms and forums that you guys operate within. Um, from your perspective, I guess, is it a positive thing and is it a good thing that your generation is seen as digital natives? And maybe what are some of the 
um, negatives, if any, that you guys have experienced yourself or maybe you've seen secondhand with friends or friendship circles with this idea of, I mean, we've never been more connected, I think, as a society through technology, but are we actually connected with relationships and community or, you know, help me, I guess, understand that um, aspect of, of Gen Z. I think for me, like, I really appreciate, like, the, um, like, convenience of it. And I think that's a lot of the re- reasons why we do use it a lot is because it's really convenient and, like, you can access it whenever. But I found in my personal relationships, even when I'm just hanging out with a group of people, a lot of the time, the moment it's awkward, you go back to your phones. Right, okay. And I, I, I personally, like, I would prefer that we just let the awkward silence be awkward. Like, You're happy with awkward silences, I am. Yes. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. Hopefully we don't get any in this episode. Well, yes. I usually try and fill them. But um, <laughs> like for the most part, I would prefer have that quality time and have that conversation even if it does become awkward rather than going, oops, it's awkward and just pick up your phone and you can just it, – it just becomes antisocial. It's I like don't a know. safe haven for us. Yeah. So would you say then that your generation, because of that, it's seen as a safety net or a safe haven, as you said, Izzy, that – we're you're we're losing the art of conversation, even losing the art of how to have a disagreement. Like yep. you know, we talk about cyberbullying, and and the moment someone disagrees online, then it everybody just start. We, the, the the term is trolling, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas twenty thirty years ago, perhaps if there was a disagreement, we could try and sit and talk about it, maybe in more of a civil manner. And the thing is as well with that is that the moment you have a disagreement online, it's not just your disagreement, it's everyone else's and everyone in the world has access to that. And I think it's become almost – some of it can be healthy conversation, but I feel like a lot of people use the fact that they're online and they're anonymous um, as an excuse to just not have respect for people. Yeah. And I think that's become really, really unhealthy in the sense that like there's a lot of people who have been really hurt by these things um, and in trying to be heard, they've actually like – cause more problems for themselves sure yeah yeah what about the i guess the filtered life and what i mean by that is you know um particularly with social media you can use filters that can change the complexion of your skin can block block out any you know imperfections that your face might have or or whatever it is and really um often gen z and millennials and anyone for that matter not just that generation but we often use that because we don't want people to see the imperfections. We don't want people to see the mess. And so what we're actually doing um, with technology is we're portraying a version of ourselves that might not actually be reality, but this is how we want people to see us. And so my question is, is that actually building a true and robust community or are we all just trying to wear a mask and be plastic about things and we've lost that organic acceptance for one another with all the imperfections, with all the mess? Would you say in your generation... It's almost like you guys are addicted to that. I'm not saying you two, but if you were to speak on behalf of your generation, and I don't want to become stereotypical with this. I'm sure there's many Gen Z that don't even have technology, and that's fine, but we're just speaking broadly. But would you say that is a common problem with Gen Z? It's very – It's yeah, it is definitely a common problem. And speaking from experience, I, I am one of those people who will use a filter. And I think from my perspective of it, it's like, well, if they're using it and if they're hiding it, well, I must have to hide it too. Yeah. Um, so it's a very negative, like, okay, I see, you know, she looks like she's having such a great time there. Like, 
I don't want my feed to look so like bland and like sure. lame kind of thing. So it's like I must use that filter too. Yeah. And I actually had a conversation with my friend um, last year about this because she's um, very much a Instagram influencer. Yep. Um, and her feed is she's trying to bring back the organic, you know, I don't want to use the filters. I want to show, you know, this is my life. I haven't had a good day. I'm just going to post about it so other people can see that it's okay um, not to post. Like, I just went to the beach, you know, I'm having yeah. such a good time. And um, one of her posts was she was literally on her couch, you know, no makeup, no nothing. She was really sick. Um, and she was just like, look, I've had a terrible day. My anxiety is playing up. I just want to show you that, you know, we all – have these issues and we shouldn't be able to hide it because like through a screen, it's very easy to go, you know, I don't have to be face to face with this person so I can put this up and they won't know what's actually happening. And I think because of that, we've gone used to getting in this habit of if they see what I'm really going through, they won't believe me. And I think that actually comes into, you know, kind of the, older generation because from my experience I had this post once up and I actually had an elderly lady go you shouldn't be posting that you know like that's too negative you know take that down yeah and I think they're so scared of like the the, realness the realness that they're like I need to hide yeah and yeah yeah and I would you know I would probably say that you know when we look at the baby boomer and the silent generation um, again not to stereotype but they were raised that you know if you've got issues going on then you just need a teaspoon of concrete and a stiff upper lip and just keep walking. You don't talk about your issues. You don't talk about your problems. And so I don't think that's necessarily healthy either. Um, let me ask you this question hypothetically. If if social media got shut down today, um, given you know there's there's millions and billions of dollars tied up in it, but how do you think your generation would respond? What do you think... It, you know, it would be the end of the world as we know it, or do you think it would perhaps actually force them to, like we talked about, re-engage with face-to-face conversation, and perhaps we might even see more engagement in in different environments, different communities, rather than just online. I'm not really sure. Like, yeah. I feel like obviously putting aside all of the people who make money out of social media and all of that, like I think there's a lot of people who, especially like we were talking about before, they find comfort in the social media and being able to just rely on that. And so I think there will be a lot of people who are stuck left not knowing what to do because there's so many people who are like, my whole life is posting on TikTok and that's all I do. Yeah. And they'll be like, what do I do now? What about when Instagram, uh, and apologies for the, the listeners perhaps that maybe I have lost, but Instagram is a social media platform where, as Izzy said, you can post photos of everything from your lunch to your cat to you sitting on the lounge with no makeup telling you telling people about your day and so basically it's a it's a feed it's a news feed that you can share with the whole world um, about who you are and what you're about Um, but what about when Instagram removed the like function so you couldn't see how many likes I I heard that Gen Z found that quite traumatic um, because they got their value from how many double taps they got is that is that a fair statement and is that do you think that's right? Do you, do you think we should be looking at our security and value based on how many love hearts we get on a, you know, 11 centimetre screen? I I actually was kind of mad at this because, like, I like to see how many people, like, are genuinely interested in my, like, feed. Yeah. Um, and so when I noticed that I couldn't see everyone else's likes, I was like, what is going on? And then I looked at mine and I was like, I can't see it. 
And the only reason you can see it now is if you click onto it and actually yep. shows you at the top. Um, but my oh, half of my friends were off their heads about it because they were like, this is stupid. Like, I want to see how many people like others and, like, I need to know if I need to, you know, change this or, like, do something because my friends were very much in a competition of, like, who can get the most likes, which is not good at all because yep. it shouldn't be about, you know, how many likes you get on a photo or on a story or whatever. Um, but it was a very... Um, I guess because they were so addicted to it mm-hmm. that coming off like the drug, they were very like withdrawals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I, I think that you know that's um, that's some really good healthy discussion around uh, social media and that we shouldn't get our value. I think it does have positives. I think it does help people connect, and it's like you said, Jess. It's very convenient. Um, it's at your fingertips basically to always connect. Um, what about this idea of Gen Z? Are caring more about actions than words. And so basically, I think what uh, your generation would say is, you know what, talk's cheap. Anyone can talk the talk, but can you actually walk the walk? Now, if we were to put that into a church context, generally every Sunday um, in our Sunday services, um, you know, someone will preach a, a message or preach a sermon, if you want to use that terminology. And probably the same for youth, maybe not every Friday night, but regularly, you know, you're hearing messages. How do you think Gen Z responds to that when they're hearing a preacher preach? Are they sitting back in their chair thinking, you know what, I would much rather see you go out into the world and live this stuff rather than hear you talk about it on a Sunday? And, you know, I think we would all say, yeah, that's probably true. But how do you think that the church can continually, I guess, demonstrate, and, and maybe even just this church, if we can just talk more specifically, how can we also demonstrate to the younger generation that we're not just talk, we actually walk this stuff out? I think with this church, it's really good because especially even with the message that Pastor Brennan shared last Sunday about um, like obviously like we're trying our best and we want to be trying our best to be hurting for what hurts God's heart and and serving those people that he's hurting for. And because we've got Civic Assist and Civic Assist is out on the streets every Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, out serving those people and out interacting with the Indigenous community and interacting with the people who aren't necessarily at all involved in church. And, like, obviously, we're not on the street, like, proselytizing, going, come to church, yada, yada, yada. But we're out there serving and we're out there living out what it is that we preach. And I think that's one thing that I've really – I really do respect about this church is not – like, we aren't just a church that will talk and do nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Our our heart is for people and and Mm. our actions demonstrate that. Um, Yeah, I I think – you know, I, I often think I would much rather see uh, see a sermon in action than than hear a sermon, and sometimes that can be, I guess, difficult to demonstrate. Um, I probably think it's the long game because anyone can get up and preach on a Sunday, but it's it's what you actually do from Monday to Saturday is I think is is probably more important than what you're doing just on a Sunday, in particular a Sunday service. Um, Gen Z is also very uh, embracing of change and quick to change. And, you know, I mentioned that before with social media, you know, it just seems every second day there's a new app out that um, the, 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 the young ones are um, getting around. But not just, not just with technology, but just anything, you know, just quick to change um, and, and embracing of change. What are, what are the positives and negatives that you guys have seen with that kind of posture and mindset that, you know, what was good for yesterday is no longer good for today? And so we sort of just um, 
I'll give you a classic example. You know, my dad, who's a baby boomer, a boomer, um, you know, often will not chuck out stuff. And so even when he buys a new thing, he'll keep the old thing just in case the new thing breaks down, which even as a millennial, I think, what the heck? Like, just chuck the old thing out. You've bought a new one. Um, And yet, you know, whatever it might be, an idea, uh, a way of doing things, even millennials and Gen Z, we seem to be just nuts. That's old news. Chuck it out. Let's move on to the next thing. And the older generation might look at that and think, "Yeah, but you're eroding away at our traditions and the what you know, what we were, what I guess the country or what society was built on 20, 30, 40 years ago." And so they might see it as disrespectful, and we're we're kind of like, "No, just get on board." So what? How do you guys see that in terms of positives and negatives? Embracing change, being ready for change, because change is always coming. Um, but is there positives and negatives to it? I definitely think, like, for me personally, my ability to embrace change has helped me a lot, especially because I had spent a lot of my childhood moving um, and moving places and new people all the time. And so being able to adapt to that change has very much been something that's been really helpful for me. Um, But I have noticed that I think our generation tends to be too quick to want to change things. Right. Um, I have noticed, especially with like the whole, like a lot of the different traditions and whatnot that we're going with. Like there's some things that definitely I agree do need change. And then there's some things where I'm like, you know what, why are we trying to change that? Why, why do you think that this social norm is no longer acceptable? And so there's a lot of things where I'm like, Oh, I I don't quite agree with it. But a lot of our generation is like, no, it needs changing. Yeah. Do you think Gen Z struggles with consistency and commitment? Oh, definitely. (laughs) Um, from my perspective of our generation, um, we can take like a lot of what happened last year just like, you know, with the whole perspective of like different coloured people and, you know, going to that scenario, they're very like, it needs to be different and if it stays the same, like they kind of freak out because they're so used to like things changing all the time. Yeah. Like for example, you know, there's a new iPhone coming out every year. So they're used to like a consistent change, which I suppose is different. Um, but like something in the society where it's just been the same altogether, they're like, no, we need to do something. And I think because they finally realised that they have a voice now in society where they're like, we can actually finally put our foot down and be like, we can't keep this the same way anymore. Like we need to do change something because yeah. we're just sick of sitting around with the same old. Like they need to have something new very like a lot yep. and I think that's where they struggle. They're like, oh, it's been, you know, so many years, it's been the same, like we need to do something now because we don't like it and we kind of don't care what you say, like this is our territory now, yep. you know, where the next generation is going to raise this world so let us do what we want to do kind yep. of thing. So let me ask you this question. With that kind of mindset and that mentality of, you know, what once was is no longer – you know, when we're talking about, again, let's put it into a church context, the Bible, um, you know, written thousands of years ago, and there would be many, not just young people, but even social commentators and journalists and, and people right across the globe that would say, obviously, you know, a lot of stuff in the Bible perhaps might be helpful, but the large majority of it is irrelevant and it's outdated and it was written for a world that no longer exists. And so from a, a Gen Z perspective, how do you guys even personally with your own walk with God, how do you reconcile that where, where we use the book and we look to the book, um, the Bible, as, I guess, um, a, a reference, a map for life, yet it's 
it's very, very old. Um, how do you guys see that in terms of we, we always want change, um, but from a church perspective, well, you know, we would say that the, the, the Bible is, is the literal word of God and it's without error and we need to look to it. So how do you guys reconcile that in your own hearts? I mean, for me, I look at it as the God of that time is still the God that I serve today and the God that loves me the same. Yeah. And so his love's not changing. He's not changing. So what is like, why should we be changing his word? Yeah. Um, and so uh, this is a conversation that we've actually had at Academy a few times around the whole idea of deconstructing the Bible. Cause there's a lot of people who will just rip it apart. They ignore the context and they just take everything yep. out, out of place. Um, and, and it's really like, unhealthy and it creates a lot of problems in the sense that you're starting conversations that shouldn't be started because that's not what it actually says when you look at the context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I guess for me, as long as I'm reading it within the context of that time and, and applying it to the context of now, yep. I'd, I don't see that there is a problem with that. Okay. Yep. Um, I think when I first, I guess started reading the Bible more, I struggled with, you know, how is this actually going to relate with me because it's this old, like, and I'm not a reader in general, so, like, I'm struggling with that too. Um, But I, as I've gotten older and decided, you know, to actually look into it more, I've actually seen, started to see that what he says in the Bible is actually relevant today. I've started to pick up on the pieces where it's like people are saying we're coming to the end times and if you look in Revelations, you know, he does explain, you know, you know, world's going to kind of come to an end and, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, I can see where people get this, but he's always said, you know, you won't know until he comes yeah. and I think that's a, something that I've always kept in me I'm like well I can see how you're getting you know COVID happened or world pandemic you know people are in, having floods you know the fires um Donald Trump's whole thing Black Lives Matter you know I can see that okay people can see that it's going to end yeah um but I'm like I can you know for me I can see the relevance in today but I know that I know we will only know until he's here on that day. Yeah. And I think from that I've learned, you know, I do see, you know, especially um, a lot of people know that Moses is my favourite character in the book. Um, But for me that is so relevant for my life today. And I guess because I have like similar similarities to him, I'm like, no, this is relevant for today. And like what Jess said, you know, his love is never going to change. Yeah. It's going to be consistent throughout. And I think for me, I was like, I'm not going to change that. I'm going to keep that a consistent because that's the, you know, the thing that I believe in. So, yeah. Have you guys um, ever thought about, I guess, or um, maybe tried to empathize or even appreciate um, when we look at the older generation? Um, you know, if you, if you think about perhaps the silent generation that was sort of born um, in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, um, if you think about the rate of change that has occurred even since then to where we are now in 2021, like it is, these guys were going to school in a horse and cart or a horse and buggy, and now here we are, you know, in 2021 with the advancement of technology. And so, never before in the history of the world have we seen change move at such a rapid rate. When we talk about church, the way that church is is done now, or I guess the expression on a Sunday is vastly different to what they experienced when they were going to church. And often, you know, I often, I guess, pause at times and think about that. And I have to appreciate that 
what is normal perhaps for you and I is very um, foreign to them because of what they were raised in. And so, you know, I always want to, I guess, honor that and be appreciative of that and empathize with that, that the way the, you know, even even things like drums in church. Now, us three here, we think drums in church, that's what it's always been. But for many of them, it wasn't. It was an organ and maybe the odd tambourine here or there. And so it's a, it's a huge jump for this older generation. Um, and I think we always need to be very, very mindful of the, the rate of change that we go at as the younger generations to make sure that we're always, I guess, honoring and appreciating and thinking about the older generation. But more so, believe it or not, when we get older, I want to be the kind of old guy at church that is not sort of saying, well, when we did church in 2021, this is how we did it and this is the only way to do it. I'm fully acknowledging that in 30, 40, 50 years' time, who knows what the expression of church in terms of a Sunday service will look like. I guarantee it's not going to look like what we know today. And so I want to be that kind of guy that uh, is able to move with the times. And I think what you guys were essentially saying when we talk about the Bible is, the Bible is a sacred document. It's a sacred text, but our methods in how we give that to the world and give that to the people needs to change. So let's keep the message sacred, but let's change our methods. And um, I think if we can do that, there's there's a good ebb and flow. Also remembering, um, obviously, the older generation in that as well and, and helping them come alongside um, us to, to appreciate. And I, I, that's what makes, I guess, a church community so great. It's so diverse, and we've got people that didn't grow up with television or black and white television and they think that you know bluetooth is when you go to the dentist and then we've got the the newer generation that it's all just gravy to us and it's 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 all at our fingertips so it's 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 very very cool and very very diverse um as we wrap up today i did want to just um pick your thoughts and pick your brain around gen z um and probably the millennials as well jess you mentioned uh, uh, a word there before deconstruction and one of the characteristics of Gen Z is this deconstruction of authority and leadership um, and, you know, questioning, well, why does it have to be do- done this way and, and why is it done this way? And I'm not so much talking in a church context, um, but in this church, we would often talk about, you know, honoring leadership and working with leadership and listening to leadership. But how do you guys, I guess, as, as young Gen Zers? How do you guys navigate that? Because your generation would say, well, no one's going to tell me what to do. It's my life and I'll do what I want with it. Um, and yet we probably see a counter narrative in scriptures that the Bible says, no, it's actually probably a good thing to have some um, spiritual leadership and spiritual guidance. So how do you guys navigate that, knowing you want your independence, but also knowing that it's probably a good thing to, to submit to leadership? Um, I think for me, I've always struggled with um, leadership and people who are older than me and looking up to them and respecting them and, you know, maybe I actually should listen to them. Um, it, t- <laughs> <laughs> it took me quite a while to understand, I guess, the why we do it. And I think, um, and especially because I'm going to pick up my grade here, um, we never liked authority. We didn't like leadership. We didn't like when teachers would put their foot down and be like, no, you can't do that because we were like, well technically you don't have authority over us so we're gonna just step our foot outside and cross the line and really you know annoy you and be like no we actually we we can't do this um and I think I because I've 
been with them for such a long time, that was where my brain was at. Yeah. So I guess for me, when I actually started coming to youth is when I started realising, you know, actually I am going to start looking up to leadership because they have done more life than me and they actually know what they're talking about where as much as we want to have that leadership feeling, we're still young and we don't have, I guess, a lot of the world views and what we've grown up with you know we haven't experienced most of the things that um a lot of people have and so for me that's where I become like no I need to respect that you know we may have different thoughts on things but they know um what is right and well they have a better perspective on the world than we do and I really you know that's one thing I'm like no um like for me, I looked up to you a lot, <laughs> Jared. So like I was talking to Jess about it in the car. Like you were one of the people who who I would really like respect and look up to because I was like, no, he's someone who's been through life. He knows what he's doing, um, even though sometimes. it's sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's where my respect for more people came. Like I respected my parents yeah. here and there. Like I do respect them, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> Sorry, mum and dad. (laughs) You know, as the youngest, I was like, I'm going to, you know, try and just, you know. Push the boundaries. See where I can go with this. Um, But I do have a lot of respect for them um, and I do listen to them quite a lot because they have lived my, not my life, they have lived a lot of life. And with my grandparents too. Um, It was funny because I was showing, um, last night my grandmother was over, um, she was having tea and then we flicked up a YouTube video onto the TV and she was like so surprised. She was like, what is this? And I was like, oh, you just, you know, Bluetooth it to the TV and, you know, she's very open to new technology. Um, But even for that, I just like respect her because there's, there's some conversations I have with her where I'm like, wow, like this is cool. Like I've learned to love and adapt to looking up to leadership especially with pastor brendan like yep. i'm like you yes i will just say yes <laughs> would you think that um you mentioned pastor brendan he often has a saying i mean he was an ex-principal and school teacher and in, in talking about young people he would say that young people whether they be millennials gen z or even the generation before after that they'll only care what you have to say when they know that they're cared for. And so would you say that your response to leadership comes out of a place of, no, I know these people have my best interests at heart. And whilst I might not agree with them, they're actually looking out for me. And maybe they can see some things that I can't see in my blind spots. Um, And so it's almost like that that's a trust relationship um, where, you know, you trust your leadership that I can't really see it the way that they're seeing it, but I trust that they know, that they have my best interests at heart. Is that how you guys would see it? Definitely. Yep. I think for me, like the the leaders that I find that I often listen to and respect are the ones that I have a relation with, like relationship with. Yeah. And I found that the more I've built relationship with, say, a Pastor Brennan, where I've gone and I've spoken to him multiple times now, I, I think the the more that I build that relationship, the more I actually take on what they're saying. Yeah. Just because, as you said, it is very much so like I know that they care and I know that what they're saying is in my best interest and so I'm going to listen. And so I think I found in school there was um, like a lot of the teachers I did have that relationship with but there was other teachers where I was like, you don't really seem to give like any any care at all for us. So I, I, I found that I didn't listen. I didn't, not that I didn't respect them as a person. Like I would still, I was still very respectful in, in the way that I conducted myself at school just cause that's, 
the way I was brought up military yeah. family, but very much so like if they were telling me how to, uh, like I should be applying to uni or I should be doing this or I should be doing that. I'm like, you're just saying that because that's what you're supposed to be saying. You're not saying that because you actually care. Yeah, 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 great. Um, just to just to finish up, you know, we, we had mentioned um, the silent generation, baby boomers and even millennials. How would you guys see... Um, or what are your views on the older generation? Do you feel intimidated by them? Do you feel, um, I guess, do, do you think they're isolated, ostracised? What What are sort of your views on the older generation? And maybe what your what would be your encouragement as we finish today's episode for the older generation of how we can all work together? I think Izzy and I are actually at opposing views with this one. Okay, because that's I good. We, I, we, we like difference. Yes. <laughs> Well, I've always actually looked up to the older generation. Obviously, like, again, within that boundary of, like, I know that these people care for me. But, like, for me, I've always gone, you've done a heap more life. Mm. And I think it is because, in part, I came up in a military background. And so, it was just normal that you respected people that were older. And it yeah. was very much drilled into me that, you know, you call this person Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. And, you know, like, even your friend's parents, it's Mr. Crawford or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, And so, very much so, it was... Like these older people, they've done life, they know what's happening. Sure. And so um, I've always very much so like loved listening to the older generation. Like the older ladies from Yukana, I absolutely have always loved listening to their, yeah. their views on different things. And so I've always yeah. loved their baked treats. Um, they always <laughs> make really good muffins, cookies and cakes. So, yeah. But And so is it you're saying that you don't like listening to the older um, generation as well, a differing view? I do now. I do. Have lot, <laughs> I do have a lot of respect for them now. But uh, when I was younger, um, I actually did not like the older generation. Um, I found them very, I guess, irritating because they didn't <laughs> listen to me. Like, right? Okay. They yep. thought, you know, because we're older, we have more authority over you. Sure. Yeah. Um, and if they couldn't respect me. I didn't respect them. That was very much my thought, yeah. and I think that's a very Gen Z thought. So too. you didn't feel supported by them. No, yeah. not not one bit. Yeah. And I think the only people who I felt supported was my grandparents. Yep, um, they were the only people who I would listen to. Yeah, um, but anyone older, I was like, no, I'm sorry, like you've shown me that you can't respect me so I don't want to hear it from you yeah. and I was very much like I didn't even like consider just like hearing what they have to say I was just like no nah, I don't want a bar of it um, and then I think it was it's going to come up to two years now when I was actually preaching at church for um, Future Sound Future Sunday. Sound yep um, I was saying the reason why I didn't like them was because they never listened to me. Yeah. And I was saying how we need, we actually do need their support because you have done a lot of life. So we want to hear it. But if you can't respect me, then we're going to have a bit of an issue here. Yeah, sure. um, so yeah. I was basically crying out, you know, please be a listening ear to us. You know, please be like, okay, that's not how we did it, but we'll, we'll try our yep. best to, you know, somehow support you in a way that we can. And I was saying that, you know, if you can support me and what we want to do, then I'll try and support you and help you adapt to this new world we live in. Yeah, great. Love that. Uh, um, yeah, so that was basically my view. And now I'm like, tell me all your stories. Like, yeah. I can be here for hours. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Well, girls, I want to thank uh, you for taking the time out of your day to have a chat to us today about generational differences and in particular Gen Z. And want to 
thank you, our listeners, for taking time out of your schedule, whether you're in the car or at home or at the gym listening to this podcast. Uh, Remember, if you enjoyed today's episode or any of our other episodes, you can always um, like it and share it and let other people know that the Civic Sound podcast exists. My name's Jared. Great to have you with us again, and we'll see you next time for another episode. Thanks, girls. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, why not give us a share, like, and follow? 